What's happening, everyone? Daniel Topor here, and welcome to the Dancing With Doubt podcast, where we go deep into how leaders have overcome adversity to unleash their success and delve into the why. Why are we really here on this big, beautiful earth? Today, get ready to be captivated as I sit down with Nikki Ballou. Picture this. Having escaped the tyrannical Middle Eastern regime in his early years, Nikki has spent the last 20 years unraveling the secrets of champions. Nikki is not only a nine-time best-selling author, but also a trusted advisor to entrepreneurs across the globe. As the host of the Thought Leader Revolution and Sovereign Man podcast, he has had the privilege of interviewing hundreds of the world's top thought leaders, including astronauts, billionaires, supermodels, and everyone in between, where he's uncovered their strategies for winning and winning big. Talk about learning from the best, eh? Just like Nikki, I too emerged from a dark corner of the world, which instantly formed a connection between us. His passion for freedom, free enterprise, and helping people tap into their boundless potential resonates deeply with me, and together, I'm pumped to explore what's truly possible. In this episode, we chat about a range of juicy topics, including thought leadership, freedom and free enterprise, and mindset. So whether you're tuning in from the bustling streets of New York City or the serene beaches of Bali, I'm glad you're here. Episode 7, here we go. Nikki, welcome to the show. Great to have you on here. Daniel, honored to be here, man. Thanks for having me on the show. God bless you. Absolutely. Been looking forward to this for, for some time. Nikki, I want to start off with a quote I stumbled across from Eckhart Tolle. Acknowledging the good you have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. In a conflicted world, can we be grateful for being alive and free? Amen, brother. Absolutely. Honestly, as you said, I am an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. And when I was 11 years old, the Islamic Revolution took place in Iran. And it was a seminal event in my life. You know, I was 11. I was happy. Like That was my home. My friends were there. But my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall. This was not going to be a great place to raise his Christian family. And so dad made a plan and he got us out of Iran. It took a few years, but eventually we settled where I now live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And he changed the trajectory of the legacy of our family. He took us from tyranny to freedom. And that's why I'm the biggest champion for freedom the world has ever known. I believe strongly that we need to stand up against the tyrants and the bullies that right now seem to be rising in the West, trying to take our freedoms away from us. The people who use lockdowns and, and, and a virus as an excuse to lock people in their homes and take away their rights to operate their businesses. The bullies and the tyrants who in the United States right now are doing the unthinkable and acting like tin pot dictators and arresting the leading opposition candidate who is, according to the polls, about to defeat the sitting candidate for president. And they're saying, oh, no, he's done all these horrible things. Are you kidding me? No other American leader has ever done this. And they've always had differences. They've always been reasons for them not to like each other. But now we're trying to turn the West into a tin pot dictatorship. And that's why I think if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in business, you rely on freedom. Without freedom, without free expression, without free enterprise, you cannot go out there and do what you do. So stand up and be counted. Do not allow this crap to take place. We got to stop these tyrants in their tracks. And I believe in the majesty and the glory of the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur requires freedom, free expression and free enterprise to do what he or she does. Because without that, they can't go out there and make their incredible visions, their incredible dreams come true. Every single one of us needs a free society to be able to do that. And I believe in entrepreneurs because my father was an entrepreneur. He's the greatest man I've ever known. If you knew my dad, Daniel, you would have loved my dad. If you were looking for work, he'd find you a job. If you were looking to start a business, he'd help you get started. If you were trying to buy a car, a house, or an apartment, you didn't quite have enough money, he would top you up so you could buy that car, that house, or that apartment. And you might go to yourself, well, Nikki, who does that, Nikki B? Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou, for one, 
But why would he do that? It sounds almost too good to be true. Well, one, he'd do that because he was a devout Christian. He believed he'd been blessed by God and it was his duty to share those blessings with others. But two, he'd do that because he could. He was rich. He was successful. He had the wherewithal to be able to help others. I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to be looked upon as somebody who stood up for people. And so I got into the business of helping entrepreneurs. I help all kinds of entrepreneurs from people that are getting started under a million dollars a year to people with 10, 20, 50, $100 million companies. And the reason that I do this is because I believe in them and the majesty of their dreams. And a lot of entrepreneurs are good people, good at what they do, but they don't know business all that well. They don't get marketing, sales, customer service, financial statements, you know, processes, structures, exits. They got none of that. I get all of that because I come from an entrepreneurial family and I help these people who are stuck because they haven't got this right, get unstuck and make it to the promised land. And here's the other thing. So many people, especially those that are under a million a year in sales, they're like nervous about marketing and sales. They don't want to come across as pushy or salesy. My late father used to say, business is not about numbers or money. It's about people. That person in front of you, that's someone's father, someone's son, someone's husband, someone's brother, someone's wife, someone's daughter, someone's sister. You know, someone's mother. You got to make them feel good, like you care, like you give a good gosh darn. And I, I do, and I go to people, look, don't look at this as sales. Don't look at this as pushing this. Let's reframe it to service. Nobody wants to be sold. Danny, you don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. But we all love being served by a caring human being. And so you go serve your fellow man and woman and good things happen. Just teaching people how to reframe sales to service is how people double, triple, quadruple, tenfold their business. And mindset. we start there. It's all about mindset by the sounds of it. Yeah, but. Nikki, it's it's not lost on me. Firstly, I, I love your passion. The, the the passion that you're oozing right now, it's it's very, very inspiring. And hearing you come from a very dark place, and, and I think most people in the world will know happened during the Iranian Revolution and, and where Iran has actually got to these days. I come from I come from the Soviet Union. So, you know, probably a little bit different in terms of how society was structured. But I think the key themes that there are quite a lot of common key themes, lack of free expression, lack of free enterprise, lack of opportunities, corruption. Basically, you are not allowed to think for yourself and come up with your own destiny that has come up for you on your behalf. Similar to you, I thank my parents every day for getting me out of there because I got out of there at an early young age as well, out of the Soviet Union and seeing what that place has become now and the tyranny that they're now trying to export to their neighbor, to Ukraine and, and other, other nations nearby. It's good to be alive <laughs> in summary. It's so good to be alive and be it's free and be, be in the alive. Western world. No question. No question, but we got to make sure that they don't do here what's being done in those countries. And it is being done, unfortunately. There are people in power that are using uh, nice sounding slogans to, to chip away at our freedoms and to take them away from us. It's happening in Australia, it's happening in New Zealand, it's happening in Canada, United States, UK. And we all need to stand up against these would-be tyrants. There's a quote that I really like from Evelyn Hall. It's I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And although we might not agree on everything, and you know, most people wouldn't, wouldn't see eye to eye on every single issue, but we need to have an open discourse, an open conversation in order to exchange ideas, in order to innovate, in order to progress. I think sort of touching on what you were saying just now, that discourse is what's disappearing. People are shouting. People are trying to shut each other down. And it's actually going to yeah. start impacting. It probably is already impacting our level of innovation oh, and problem. our progression as a society. Look, uh, I mean, not to get into a big political discussion, but when people in the medical field are being told that there are certain words they can't say because they're historically insensitive, but they're medically accurate, 
you got to just understand that's nuts. That's straight up crazy, insane nuts. And when the bodies that regulate those organizations are the ones pushing that, you know that the crazies have taken over. Marxism, as existed in the Soviet Union and cultural Marxism that existed in Iran, is alive and well in the West right now. There are certain thoughts that are forbidden. And if you speak them out loud, you can get canceled. You can you lose everything you own. That is wrong. We cannot allow that. And the people that are pushing that are doing that because they want that sort of Marxism here. They want to be able to control your thoughts. They want to be able to control what you do. And that's straight up evil, straight up wrong. We won't let them. <laughs> what do you think your life would have become if you had have stayed in Iran? I'd probably be dead by now, brother. That's a big statement. Probably would have been dead 30 years ago. Is that because you have this spirit of freedom within you and you would have gone to the death to, to fight for it? Or why, why do you think that would have been? Well, I've never been good at keeping my mouth shut. And uh, in Iran, that gets you killed. That gets you killed. Straight up. I mean, in Iran, um, last year, two years ago, there was a world champion wrestler, Navid Afkari, young man, 27 years old. And there were protests in his hometown because people didn't have enough food to eat. And he joined the protests. They arrested him, trumped up charge, sentenced him to death, and executed him days later. And charged his family for the bullets that were used to kill him. And people go, that'll never happen here. It's already happening here, brothers and sisters. It's already happening here. Not to the point of death and killing people yet, but to the point of, in Canada, Justin Trudeau invoked a wartime measures act and started seizing the bank accounts of his political opponents who were opposed to the vaccine passports and were protesting in the Capitol. He sent a Metis grandmother to jail and is trying to get her to go to jail for 30 years for protesting against the vaccine mandates. And yet, if you were part of Black Lives Matter or Antifa, no problem. Burn buildings, kill people, no big deal. They're on your side. That's ridiculous. The government should not be taking sides in protests. That happened in Canada, a so-called free Western society. And he goes around screaming about wanting to be tolerant and non-racist, and yet he is a man who's worn blackface and made fun of brown and black-skinned people. Think about that. These are the people that are in charge in certain countries. Joe Biden got elected. I'm going to bring decency and civility back to the White House. Well, he basically had a bunch of porn stars doing, uh, doing dances on the White House lawn. I mean, really? That's decency and civility? And then the leading opponent who's about to run against him in the election, who's leading him in the polls, let's arrest him on the day that there's a report about bribery in my family coming out of the news to take attention away from that. Like, that's nuts, man. Nuts. How could that happen in the West? Like, that happened in Iran. That happened in the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, you, you could see people being disappeared from the photos of the Politburo. Didn't happen in the United States, Canada, Australia. It's happening now. It's happening now. And again, I don't want this to be a conversation about these things, but I, I believe that this is an urgent time that we all need to wake up. It's time we wake up and band together and unite and not allow them to take away our freedoms and our democracy. Because the next people in charge that are on the other side, what if they do the same things? That's not good. Mm. And do you think that having free enterprise being available and accessible to everyone can actually help improve the political discourse in a country to actually help with freedom more generally, if you can? If you don't, if you don't stand up for the political discourse, free enterprise will disappear because they're going to go to try to make the entrepreneurs be quiet. So their business, they're saying, okay, keep quiet. You get to do your business. And a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to keep quiet. But if you don't keep, if you don't stand up for free expression, then free enterprise will disappear. That's why it's important to do that. My 
two of my last three books have been about this, this whole subject of cultural Marxism creeping into corporations and business. And I've taken a strong stand against those. People used to say, don't talk about religion, uh, sex, or politics in uh, business. And I was one of the people who used to say that. You can't say that anymore, brother. You've got to show what your values are. You're either on the side of liberty or you're against liberty. And, and, and to me, the people that are, you know, they say silence is, is, is being complicit to a point that's true. At some point, you got to say, this isn't, this isn't going to work. We've got to, we've got to speak up. I've got friends of mine that go, wow, I run a business. I can't talk about it. And I go, pretty soon they're going to make you. You're going to be forced to choose sides. So, you know, at least instead of saying, I choose this political side and that political side, say, I choose the side of our democracy, our freedom, our, our ability to be freely expressed. Like you said, the people that we disagree with are the ones we need to fight to be able to have them be heard. You know, and that's important to me. There was a crank who who used to send out a newspaper newsletter in the neighborhood, and he was a crank. His political thoughts were batshit crazy loony, okay? And I'd get his newsletter, and I'd just go, oh, my God, this guy's nuts. They shut his newsletter down. They go, oh, my God, he's a hate-filled bigot. I'm like, no, he's just a cranky nut bar. But he should be allowed to speak because yeah, that's how you know, hey, these, these the cranky nut bars. But they called him a racist and they shut him down. They shut him down. And like, to, uh, <laughs> who the hell are like you to, to say who's a racist and who isn't? <laughs> and I like to think that humans are intelligent enough to be able to form their own opinion of what is truth, what is false, what makes sense to them, what doesn't make sense to them. We don't need corporations or governments to tell us what to think. I'm sure we can all think for ourselves. We're a very intelligent species. We have evolved. We can. We can. <laughs> we can't 100 percent well anyways moving this back to the subject of success and performance so what is it going to take to be successful well one is you've got to take a stand for what you believe in and who you want to help right and you've got to be able to be seen as a thought leader in your space so that is my shtick is i believe that thought leadership is the key to growing and scaling a business be it a small business under a million or a big business 10 million and up why because you got to understand what thought leadership is. An expert is someone who knows something, while a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Another way to say it is an expert is like a cover band, while a thought leader is like a band that plays the best original music in the world. Everybody wants the thought leader. So if you as a CEO of a company become the industry thought leader in your space, People are going to see you as the expert in your space. You can't be shilling your company, but if you're out there talking about what matters to the people that you care about, they'll listen to you. You're going to have a video channel. Patrick Bet David, Valuetainment, created a channel on entrepreneurship and success. Took his 200 man real estate, um, insurance brokerage, grow it to 44,000, sold it for $400 million. Boom. Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, 1998. Apple was a $6 billion company. Dell was an almost $13 billion company. 25 years later, Dell is a $102 billion company. Apple's a $400 billion company. How'd that happen? Well, Steve Jobs decided to become a thought leader. Michael Dell receded into the background. Everybody knows who Steve Jobs is. Everybody knows what he stands for. No one knows who Michael Dell is, even though Dell Computer has his name on it and Apple did not have Steve Jobs' name on it. But Steve stood for something. He stood for visionaries, misfits, round pegs and square holes. That's what he stood for. And those people flocked to Apple, wanted to buy from Apple, wanted to be part of the Apple mystique. And he wasn't always pitching and selling Apple. He was pitching and selling what Apple was all about. And that's what you got to sell, pitch. You got to pitch and sell what you're all about. I'm all about freedom. I'm the freedom man. You call me the freedom man, the thought leader, the one who stands for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship, and the one who stands for thought leadership as a way to get it out there. So the people that are into freedom, that are into entrepreneurship, that are into thought leadership, they're going to want to know about me and what I have to talk about. And the people who are not, they won't. 
But if I came every day and pitched my company, said, come, find out about our amazing products, our amazing workshops, who the hell wants to listen to that crap? You don't. I don't. Amazing. So you've interviewed hundreds of thought leaders across the world. I think you're up to what, episode 472 um, on, on your Thought Leader Revolution podcast. Have you been able yeah, well, to yeah, deduce yeah. a secret source, like the common themes, let's say five common themes across all the hundreds of people you've interviewed? Absolutely. So theme number one is they care very deeply about something. They have a powerful why. They've got a, a reason to speak and get the message out and inspire people. Reason number two, uh, I, I mean, theme number two is they're all thought leaders. They all have something original and valuable to say. They're seen as thought leaders. And this thought leadership has allowed them to scale and grow. If you're a thought leader, you're going to attract customers. You're going to attract A-level employees to want to work with you. You're going to attract investors. You're going to reduce attrition of both employees and customers. And you're going to attract powerful media attention. They do all that. And they are incredible at getting their message out there in a really powerful way. So it sounds like a combination of having a very strong vision and something that you're passionate about, plus the ability to market yourself and sell yourself and also have a really, really compelling product or service that you're willing to offer. Is that a fair summary? Product or service, man, is not where it's at. Nobody wants to hear about their damn product or service. Nobody cares. You come on my show and you start talking about that, you're going to bore people. And that's the case with everybody. People who come on the show and say, let me tell you about my product. Let me tell you what we do. And you should go buy this. and go. I mean, if you go to Valuetainment, Patrick Bet David never talked about his insurance company. Ever. Not one time. And yet he grew it to 44,000 agents. How'd that happen? So many people started listening to him, watching his channel. After a while, they go, who is this guy? What does he actually do? Hmm. And that's the power. So look, I had a client that came to us. She was a naturopathic doctor, successful. Her father was dying of brain cancer. She was daddy's girl. She wanted to honor this man. She came to me and asked for help. I said, okay, who do you help? She goes, well, no, I don't know. I can help everybody. No, 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 no. You need a group of people that you stand for. You need an ideal client. Who are the people you've gotten the best results for? Who are the people you've enjoyed working with the most? Who are the people who've paid you the most and have been the easiest to transact with? That's the ideal client zone. We figured out for her, those were women over 45, professional women, married, successful children, but they were overweight. They didn't feel beautiful, pretty, sexy, desirable, attractive anymore. And they never thought they could get it back. So Daniel, I'm a man. I don't really understand woman. I don't think any man can say he does, but I can tell you this much. I know that they like feeling beautiful, sexy, and desirable. I really, I've got that figured out. And so she came to me and she says, I can help these people. She says, getting older is inevitable. Aging isn't. I'm like, yeah, that's good. So I helped her come up with a powerful name for her program. Mm -hmm. Get your sexy back. Year one, she doubled her income. Year two, she doubled it again. Year three, she doubled it again. She went from six figures a year to six figures a month. Boom. That's thought leadership, baby. And it sounds like a lot of this has to do with your actual mindset. So not only the mindset that which you're adopting as an entrepreneur, but also trying to get into the mindset of your target market, of your target people. Mindset is something that I think some of us struggle with. It's certainly something that I, I personally have struggled with in my journey, in my professional journey, and even with, with starting this podcast only a few months ago. How have you found is the best and most optimal way to get your mindset right? How do you go deep into there to get yourself into the right place to be successful? So there are four qualities 
that you need to have to win in life and in business. The first is decisiveness. You got to decide. And to decide is to kill off the alternative. The root of the word decide is side. It's a Latin word. Other words in the English language with side in it are homicide, suicide, regicide, genocide. All about killing. You have to kill the alternative to victory. That's a decision. Two. Take action. Two. You've got to commit. Commit. You got to be willing to be bad before you're mediocre, before you're you're average, before you're okay, before you're good, before you're great, before you're iconic, before you're the best that ever was. You got to commit. No tire kicking. No, I'll try it out. Commit. Third, you've got to invest in the most important asset you have, you. You got to hire the coaches, join the masterminds, attend the conferences, do the courses and buy the books and pay whatever they ask. Don't nickel and dime them. The great Robin Sharma, a personal friend and client of mine, used to tell me, you want to double your income, triple your investment in personal and professional development. Fourth, you have got to, you have got to become resourceful. Tony Robbins said, doesn't matter what resources you have, what matters is how resourceful are you. I'm going to tell you two stories, one about decisiveness, one about resourcefulness. So the greatest personal development author and teacher of all time is Napoleon Hill. Think and Grow Rich has sold 170 million copies. Yet when he started his career, he was a newspaperman back when that was an honorable profession and not Pravda in the West. So he was assigned to interview the then richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie. Went to his estate, and at the end of the interview, Mr. Carnegie said, Mr. Hull, how would you like to spend the weekend with me at my estate, I would like to talk with you further. Now, Daniel, I don't know about you, but if the richest man in the world today, Elon Musk, asked me if I'd like to spend the weekend on his estate, my answer would be yes. I'd call my lady and I'd say, honey, look after the kids. I'm hanging with Elon. <laughs> so, anyways, they had a great time. And at the end of the evening, the weekend, excuse me. Andrew Carnegie said, Mr. Hill, I have a proposition for you. How would you like to spend the next 20 years researching and writing my philosophy of success in the form of a book? I will not pay you a stipend, but what I will do is give you letters of introduction to the 500 richest and most successful men and women in these here United States. What say you? It took Napoleon Hill 31 seconds to say yes. And the rest is history. Think and Grow Rich, biggest selling personal development book of all time, 170 million copies sold. Years later, they met one last time before the great man passed. And Andrew Carnegie said, Mr. Hill, I have a confession to make. He said, you have a confession to make? He said, yeah, okay. All those years ago when I made you that offer, I had in my hand a watch with a second hand. I was holding it under the table so you couldn't see it. And I had given you 60 seconds to make up your mind. Then I was going to withdraw the offer. Napoleon Hill went, whoa, he was taken aback. He goes, sir, but why? Andrew Carnegie leaned forward and said, yes, why indeed? You tell me. He says, okay, okay, I got this. I've studied your philosophy of success. I know, I know, I got this. Successful people are decisive people. They get the facts and decide quickly. He said, yes, I approached four other eminent educators before I approached you. And all of them said, they need to think about it. They'll get back to me. And I knew they were the wrong people. Hmm. When you have been given the facts and you say, I need to think about it. You're demonstrating weak-willed indecisiveness. And do you know what God does when you demonstrate weak will and indecisiveness? God gives you weak results and indecisive results. On the other hand, 
when you make big decisions and you're decisive, God rewards you with big results and decisive results. Successful people decide quickly. They don't fuck around. Excuse my language. <laughs> and I guess if it's the wrong decision, then change it. You always have the opportunity to change it. So brother, if, if it's, it's the wrong decision, you will learn from it. And quickly. Make a change. It's better to make the wrong decision quickly than to make no decision at all and tell God you're a weak-willed, indecisive simp who doesn't deserve success. Because God goes, this guy makes decisions. It's a wrong decision, but it was a decision. I'm going to reward him. Big one way or another. And those people that are just recoiling at this, that's why you're losing in life. That's why your income sucks. That's why you're depressed and you don't believe in yourself. Because you can't make a decision. And in terms of resourcefulness, I'll tell you a story from my life. A little over a dozen years ago, my then wife, seemingly out of the blue, told me she didn't want to be married to me anymore. I was blindsided and devastated, depressed. I had no idea. I didn't see it coming. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. She kicked me to the curb. I slept on my mother's couch. I had no money. I couldn't provide for my kids. I was spiraling. A friend of mine took pity on me, bought me a ticket to a conference. I attended. I saw a man deliver a talk, and it spoke to my soul, Daniel. When his talk was finished, I elbowed everybody out of the way and got to him first, extended my hand and said, my name's Nikki Dillery, and let me tell you my story. I told him my story. When I finished my monologue, I said to him, I think I need to hire you. And he said, oh, okay, but you need to know my minimum fee is $5,000. I require payment upfront in full in advance. I offer no guarantees and no refunds. You still want to hire me, son? I was like, whoa, I got no money. He says, I'll give you some free coaching. I'm like, give it to me, free coaching. Yeah. He said, it doesn't matter how much money you have. I go, wait up, wait up, wait up. You want $5,000 for me. What do you mean it doesn't matter how much money I have? He said, son, I got 20 people lined up to work with me, and most of them are going to pay me more than $5,000. I don't need your money. But you need me bad. He was right. He said, it does not matter how much money you have. What matters is how bad do you want change? How hungry are you? You're a grown man sleeping on your mother's couch. Your wife kicked you to the curb. You're unable to provide for your sons. You're going through a divorce and divorce court doesn't like it when a father ain't providing for his sons. How much longer you want to put up with this? A day? A week? A month? A year? A lifetime? Whoa, 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 whoa. Give me a couple days. Made an appointment to come see him in a couple days. I was a fitness trainer then. I got on the phone with a couple of dudes and I said to them, I got good news for you. I go, what is it? I said, you're fat and you need to lose weight. Otherwise, you're going to have an existential health event. And you're either going to die or you're going to permanently have a reduced quality of life. And that's going to hurt you and your loved ones. They go, yep. I said, and I'm broke. And I can't see or take care of my kids. And if I don't turn this around, I won't be allowed to see my kids. And that'll hurt them and me. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you the deal of a lifetime. Half price. But there's a catch. You got to say yes now. And you got to pay in full now. Two guys said yes. Gave me a thousand bucks each. I was jumping for joy. Went to see this guy at the appointed time, dropped 2000 in front of him, and he said, that's great, son, but I said five, not two. I said, Bill, his name was Bill. Bill, how many times have you told this story to people that you told me? He said, well, over the years, 30 or 40, and I go, wow, that's a lot. Besides me, who else came to you, made an appointment, and brought some money? He said, oh, that's easy. You're the first. I go, I am the first. He goes, you are the first. The first. 
take my money. I'm going to sign a contract to pay you the balance in 30 to 60 days, whatever the case may be, because I want change back. He agreed. I paid him early, and in less than six months, I made six figures. So, brother, the question I have for you, for your listener, how bad do you want change? Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned these two key themes just now, Nikki. Decisiveness and resourcefulness. Let me tell you a little story. In 1990, my parents made a decision to leave the Soviet Union, right? We applied for visas in every Western country imaginable. America, Canada, Australia, South Africa, you name it, we applied for it. Maybe not South Africa. I don't think it was very free back then. Um, we got basically crickets, silence, nothing. One country that would take us was actually Israel. So because on my mum's side, we're Jewish, that was, a, that was just starting to open up with the Soviet Union and it was relatively straightforward to, to get there. Literally a week before we were due to fly out to Israel, we got word that the Australian visa was coming through. But all of our stuff was already sent to Israel. The rest of our family was in Israel. And we basically had literally $300 and a couple of suitcases. We had a cancelled Soviet passport because he was seen as a traitor. And yeah, I think they even took took away the jewellery. So basically, my parents ended up coming to Australia later that year. My dad went straight to Australia. My mum and I went via Israel. My mum worked her ass off to earn enough money to put us on a plane, get us to Australia. We came here with basically nothing. So resourcefulness is really, really important because you can come from nothing. But if in your heart and in your soul, you want to succeed, you will take that action. You will succeed. You will find a way. And it's going to be a grind probably. But if your heart's really in it, like you were just saying now with your divorce, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. But it takes decisions as well. You have to just decide whatever's right in that moment and run with it. Because if my parents hadn't have made that decision, I can guarantee you I'd probably be in Ukraine right now, <laughs> drafted by the Russian military, or I maybe wouldn't have even been here. Really good lessons, Amen, Nikki. Brother. Really good lessons. Amen. 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 Nikki, you've mentioned um, that you're a man of faith, and, and I can see that you're very passionate about God. What's been... What's been your journey with integrating your faith with your business side? Well, I, like I said, I used to be one of these folks who didn't believe in talking about politics, you know, religion or sex in business. I still don't talk about sex in business, but I'm very open about my faith as I am about where I stand when it comes to my political beliefs, my philosophical beliefs. And there's a lot of Christians out there, a lot of Jews, a lot of Muslims, a lot of Hindus. They don't truck with this crazy-ass secular world we're in, and they'd love to learn how to work with folks that share their faith, or at least share a faith-based perspective. And I like to say, you shouldn't have to you know, compromise your beliefs to get good business advice. And that's a fact. So is it fair to say that your faith has actually driven your high purpose and, and your high purpose is very strongly connected to your faith and you've been able to connect that to your professional journey as well? In a word, yes. And if somebody is, I guess, not religiously inclined, do you feel that it is important to have this sense of high purpose in order to succeed rather than just going, say, for the money or for the fame? Look, um, if you're a good person, it's not just about you. And if you're a person that is just about you, I mean, at some point, people are going to see that. And they're not going to want that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you shouldn't be included in success because, you know, there, there have been folks that I've been very good to taking advantage of that. And that's not cool either. I'm thinking of a client who 
pleaded poverty to us and said, I can't pay you, and I can't pay you, Ed. Give me some time. So we gave this person some time, and then they went away on a, on a vacation instead of paying us. And that wasn't cool. You know, and I called that person out on it. And that person got all mad and said, oh, you're not a good person and this and that. And I'm like, you know, God bless you. Good for you that you think that. But no offense, you know, you owe us money. <laughs> Pay up. We were good to you and you took advantage of that, right? So I'm not saying you should let people take advantage of you. But at the same time, if it's just about you, that's not going to work. People are going to see that. They're not going to be into that. That's all there is to it. And if you're if you're looking at it from the perspective of you know coming back to this sales angle and and the personal brand angle, do you feel that certain people really overdo the selling of their own personality rather than actually connecting with the audience based on what the audience's needs are? So, in other words, are, are people just too salesy generally from what you see in the world? Like, look, I don't know, man. I don't go follow a gazillion influencers. I mean, those people leave me kind of cold, to tell you the truth. So I can tell you about the people I, I, I like to follow because I think they're real. Like Patrick Bet David and Valuetainment, he's pretty awesome. Uh, I listen to um, Jocko, Tim Kennedy, Ernest Emerson. That's about it. The other folks, when I see somebody who's, you know, look at my car, look at my beautiful house, look at my gorgeous girlfriend, I just kind of tune that stuff out, you know, because that's not me. I don't like bragging. I don't like people who brag. And I guess it's a fine line sometimes between bragging and being seen as passionate, right? Or maybe it's all about your delivery. Look, man, I think you know when someone's a good person and when someone's a charlatan. And I think that's important to be able to discern that for yourself. And if you're having a hard time with that, then, you know, I get it. Maybe you need to be burned a couple of times. And that's life. That's the lessons of life. You, you know, for me, I've been burned. I'm sure you've been burned. I've spent thousands and tens of thousands on programs and courses that haven't delivered anything for me. I bought things that were supposed to be incredible and ended up being shite. That's part of life. It's part of life. Deal with it. Get over it. Be who you need to be for yourself. And go out there and go for victory. And I think what we've talked about today demonstrates what you need to do to do that. You know, these four qualities of a successful human being. You know, creating a thought leader personal brand for yourself. Making it about people, not about yourself. Those are really good things for everybody who's in business to take on and run with. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I'm not a fan of the influencer. The whole influencer model is just like, yeah, yuck. Yeah. If I scroll through my social media at the moment, I, I tend to see two extremes. You know, one is about grinding away, winning, winning big, and obviously that tends to involve getting rich. You know, sometimes you might see a Lamborghini involved and I know it's very easy to hire a Lamborghini and, and pay for a date <laughs> with that Absolutely. aside. Another one is letting go of our, let's call it capitalist inclinations of the Western world and just getting out there into the world, not caring about things, not care about making it or getting rich or just, just enjoying your life. Both of these extremes have a bit of an appeal for me when I look at them on the surface, when I look at them on my screen, yet both also involve sacrifice, right? Do you think that as a society, we're too fixated on the binaries and the extremes and that maybe there is just this happy medium where you'll actually be happier to exist in rather than dedicating your all to one or the other? I think we're a soft world. I think we're wussified and pussified. And I think that's our biggest problem right now. And I think that people who just say, oh, I'll let whatever be be, either have a lot of money behind them and they don't need to make money, or they're living in la la land. If you live in any country in the world, Western or communist, you need money and you need success. So let's get clear about that. And 
I believe in working. I believe in putting yourself out there and doing what you got to do. You, you know, and I think that if you're listening to this show, hopefully you want that for yourself. You want to be more successful. You want to find a way to make life better for yourself. And the first thing you got to understand is it's a decision you make to put in the time, to put in the effort, and to make it happen. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, I think uh, it's it, it can be tempting to just want to go off into the sunset. And I'll admit, I've had my temptations as well and just live a simple life, live in a van, do nothing. But I don't know. I think if, if you're given you the gift that, of life, bro. of being in this world and being given this tiny, tiny chance to be on this earth for this small amount of time, Maybe the grind is worth it. Maybe we should take those chances. Make the decisions. Use our resourcefulness. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. You weren't built to be soft. You just weren't. You were built to do great things. Yeah. And I guess the great empires of the world, they, they weren't built on being soft either. No, they crashed when they got soft. <laughs> but that's a whole different other podcast for another time. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Nikki, key question that I ask every guest that comes on the show, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what is the one piece of advice that you'd give? Very interested to hear your thoughts start on that. Your business, start your business now, push hard, and make a lot more mistakes. You know, I wish that uh, when I was 20, uh, I really wanted to get into writing and I didn't push hard for it. I just got a job. I tried writing on the side. I should have just made that my biggest focus in the world. I should have gone and left Canada and moved to a place where a bunch of writers hung out and, and written and gotten my books out there. And honestly, that's what I wish I'd have done differently. And the mm -hmm. same for anybody is if you're 20 years old right now and you got a big dream, go put your butt where the people that are doing that are and be around that energy because that's what's going to propel you forward. Yeah, fantastic messages. Yeah. And look, I, obviously, you've, you've published nine books, is it? Very successfully, best-selling? Ten. Ten now. Ten. What's next for you? There's two more books that are going to be coming out in the next uh, year or so. Um, and right now, man, the most important thing for us is to serve more people and get the, the message of freedom out to more entrepreneurs and get the message of thought leadership out to more entrepreneurs and, and, and help those people scale and grow their businesses. You know, that's what's important for us. And we're going to do it. Amen. Amen. If people wish to connect with you or interact with your products and services, what is the best way for them to connect with you? Where can they find you? Go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Let's jump on a, on, a, on a call if you own a business and you want to talk about how to take it to the next level. That's the most powerful thing you can do to grow your business right now. If you're stuck and you want to get unstuck, make a decision now to get on a call with Nikki Ballou. And that's the first step to making your life go from tragic to magic, brother. I'm looking forward to having this chat once we finish the podcast, Nikki. I, I need to learn from the best, you know, someone that's interviewed Amen, 427 thought leaders from around the world, from, from astronauts to supermodels. I want to hear what you have to say in more detail. <laughs> you bet, brother. I think we should talk. I agree. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Nikki, any, any final parting thoughts for, for the world before we wrap up? Yeah. Work hard. Follow your dreams. Don't let the world grind you down. And don't do it alone. You need like-minded people around you. If you're stuck by yourself, the negativity of the world will seep into your DNA. But if you're around people who are looking in the same direction as you, you'll be insulated from all that. 
and remember to make an investment in yourself. That's the most important investment you're going to make. If you're ready to spend $3,000 on an iPhone, $5,000 on a, you know, big ass, big screen TV. If you're ready to spend $5,000 to go to Bali and that money's poof, gone, you better be ready to spend 10 times that on making you the best version of you so you can earn all the money you want to do everything you've ever wanted to do. That is the best advice. And I've have fun. By the have way, fun, I'm, man. I'm... That's what it's all about. <laughs> by the way, I'm going to Bali in a couple of weeks. So you're saying I should cancel and maybe do a course instead? <laughs> or go have fun? <laughs> do both, bro. Do both. But if you're going to do that and you don't invest in yourself, you're crazy. Love it. Love it. Amazing. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. I think it's been super entertaining. Really enjoyed the weaving the, the bigger questions into into the business side. Um, and yeah, I think we've, we've gone pretty deep on a few things here, you know, freedom, free enterprise, thought leadership, mindfulness, uh, mindset, decisiveness, resourcefulness. And yeah, it was, was quite insightful to hear your thoughts about faith and, and connecting your higher purpose um, to, to your journey. So thanks again for joining us. And yeah, look forward to look forward to many more chats and connections. God bless you, brother. Thank you for having me here. It was a pleasure. Excellent, excellent. Well, dear listeners, that is a wrap for episode seven. If you've got value from this episode, I would really, really appreciate your support. Share the love, spread the knowledge, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your boss. It makes a really, really big difference to me and allows me to deliver even more amazing content to you. So you can find this episode and more at dancingwithdoubt.com and on all major streaming platforms and YouTube. Of course, I'll have my monthly blog up mid-month reflecting on my conversations, in this case with Nikki, and giving some gratitude back as well. Thanks for lending me your ears wherever in the world you are. Till next time, may success be with you.